0: Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Sam. Actually, that's not my given name. (laughs) What?
1: If it was given to you by you, (laughs) is it really your given name?
0: My name is Lady Bird.
1: (laughs) Did you ever give yourself a nickname growing up?
0: Yes, I have a very embarrassing <gasps> story about something like that. I'll reveal it towards the end. There's no need
1: to get into Why it now. Why I have to wait? <laughs> okay, fine. I will wait. Thank you. We're doing Lady Bird today. Greta Gerwig's directorial masterpiece. Dare I say, a perfect film.
0: I would agree with you. You don't have to dare anything in this safe <laughs> space. That's an incredible film. I was telling Lee before we started recording that This is the only film that gets me out of A Molly Come Down.
1: This is the perfect film to watch when you're just having a bad day. Also, I've been PMSing hard while (laughs) I was researching this film the last few days, and almost everything about it has made me cry, and that has really... A lot to do with me and my hormones, but also with Greta Gerwig and how her sets are run. So I had a lot of fun looking into this film and watching it together with you because I think we've both been loving it independently. And to watch it together was just really great because I think this film speaks to us in kind of different ways.
0: Absolutely. Before we get into the beautiful text that is Lady Bird, we just want to give a huge thank you to our patrons over at Patreon.com. For those supporting us over there, there is a myriad of perks uh, at different tiers and different levels. So we hope that you find one that is suitable to you. But if that's not something you can do right now, we just are so glad that you're here enjoying this episode with us.
1: Yes, and I will plug one of our latest tiers that we just made is a two dollar ally tier. If you have two dollars to spare and you want. Um, To support us and also get advanced notice of what episodes we're doing before they're released. That is what that tier affords you. So if that is something you're interested in, encourage you to check it out. If that's not your bag, super duper fine. We're like just... It's a hobby over here. (laughs) I saw this like TikTok trend that's like these two fucking men being like, do women even have hobbies? And then like everyone duetting and being like, yes, I have $5,000 worth of embroidery materials at my house. Or I pour ceramics out of these surprise ceramic shape holders.
0: I love that this hobby for Lizzie and I has have been upgraded and this is no longer a hobby it's like our hobbies like our junior hobbies are right underneath this like i collect rocks and play the guitar lizzie like
1: i like am an amateur baker
2: (laughs) igneous volcanic what are you talking about um
0: uh, my my (laughs) wife loves rocks and i bought her a tumbler so like if i see something on the Mm. ground i'm like what's this and then i send it to reddit and they're like that's a this thing you know, but Lizzie makes uh, kombucha.
1: I do. It sinks <laughs> up the whole house. <laughs> just how I like it. But yeah, back to Lady Bird. Oh, God. What a. I'm just so glad I have a hobby that lets me talk about this movie and end. So I guess, like, not a content warning, but just like a nerd warning. This isn't the gayest movie we're ever going to cover, quote unquote. But I do think it is very queer and just wanted to know there's lots of female empowerment ahead and you hearing about my childhood traumas. So mm-hmm. uh, they're not that bad, but they do exist. So just just know you're going to learn a lot about me today.
0: Yeah, Lizzie and I were talking about this episode and discussing, is this even the gayest thing that Greta Gerwig has directed? And the answer (laughs) is no, it's not. (laughs) But I think that a lot of gay people, myself included, have a strong relation to this film. Growing up, being in this kind of in-between where you're expected to act as an adult, but you're still very much a child and feeling othered um, is an experience that we can all relate to. That as well as the gay characters in this film Mm -hmm. it just makes me feel like i'm back in high school i'm back in my theater troupe.
1: (laughs) yeah this is like the safety and the alienation of those years in high school where you you talk about othering where i think it's interesting that for some of the characters in this film they are othered without control but for the character of ladybird she kind of chooses to other herself Mm -hmm. you know to give herself this new identity and this new style that visually sets her apart from a lot of the people in her life and so the idea of like intentional othering really related to me as a young person in high school because in case you haven't noticed Lizzie is probably not my government name and it's my given name (laughs) because I gave it to myself you know like I I feel a lot of what Lady Bird goes through in that, like, she notices the difference between her and her classmates and her family. And rather than negate them, she enhances them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that in itself is very, very queer. And also there are some, like, sprinklings of what I would call bisexual attitudes and behaviors (laughs) that this character portrays. Um, And we'll go through them. The main person we're going to be talking about today, who's kind of the puppeteer behind all of this, of course, is Greta Gerwig, who directed the film. And when she was asked about the sexuality of the character of Lady Bird, she says she just likes who she likes and goes after them. When it comes to her sexuality, she's agentive, not passive. She's never the object, always the subject. And I think that's really interesting in that there's like an empowerment there, but also I feel that... Saying she just likes who she likes and goes after them feels very queer and fluid. And for me, like as a bisexual, I relate to her a lot, and I see a lot of my queerness and how it is expressed in my choice and the Ladybird character's choice as well, um, and also her room. <laughs>
0: We've spoke a great deal on this podcast about the importance of a teenager's room in these these films. Showing teenagers entering adulthood, what does it mean by the posters that they have up? What does Mm -hmm. it mean by the bedspread they have, how they lay their clothes out? It means so much for each individual character. What, What did you garner from Lady Bird's Room?
1: Lady Bird's Room is like a collage masterpiece of just the chaotic creative inside of this girl's head. There's so many specific elements in this room that you know were chosen by Greta Gerwig and the production designer, but just a couple of them that stood out was there was a Sleater-Kinney album cover. I saw that. Was it Hot Rock? It was uh, the one that's like, bring me out. Oh, dig me out. Dig me out. Ah. And she's got all these like angsty handwritten notes and like pictures of her and her friends. And she's got a Rushmore poster All these little collage moments feel really queer to me. And we saw them also in characters like from Juno and our Stick It episode, Mm -hmm. and um, from a film we haven't covered yet, but I know we will 10 Things I Hate About You. These, like, almost zany spaces that the mm-hmm. character creates from themselves that are just like them throwing identity pieces at the wall literally and seeing what sticks mm-hmm. and that was one element to me that i really loved about the movie was the specificity and the uniqueness of her room
0: at teenagers walls are what can be described as a vision board i know <laughs> yes. mine was growing up it was just a collage of everything i wanted to see all the time and be all the time it was like a mirror i wanted to make for myself
1: Do you think that your office space is still like (laughs) that kind of vibe?
0: Yeah, my office space is like every single sign poster by everyone I've ever (laughs) loved as well as all of my like precious vinyl and... Tiny Rubik's Cubes. Tiny Rubik's Cubes. (laughs) Yes, my (laughs) office in my house is just a mirror that I want to see in myself.
1: Yeah. So I really applaud Greta Gerwig on making such a specific and interesting character And you know what? As I was watching Lady Bird for probably the 10th time and maybe the third time in preparation for this podcast, I realized it reminded me of a character that she played in a film that came out the year before, um, Mike Mills' 20th Century Women. Have you seen that film? Yeah, with Annette Benning. With Annette Benning, exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, Greta Gerwig plays a character named Abby who... Really kind of feels like if Ladybird had a second chapter, this might be chapter two. Yeah. And I kind of just wanted to play a clip from 20th Century Women of something that really <laughs> reminded me of, of what could be a continuation of the Ladybird character. Hell yeah. So in this scene, it's a dinner party where Greta Gerwig's character Abby is basically a young woman in this kind of boarding house situation with Annette Benning and her teenage son who. Abby is kind of taken under her wing to teach her feminist ways. So this is just a conversation they have at the dinner table. Abby, you know what? You're
0: menstruating. Okay, but do you have to say it? Okay, and do we really need to know everything that's going on with you? What? I'm menstruating. Why is
2: that a big deal? We don't need to hear about that. Thank you.
1: If you ever wanna have an adult relationship with a woman, like if you wanna have sex with a woman's vagina, you need to be comfortable with the fact that the vagina menstruates. I and mean, just say menstruation, it's not a big deal. So, start saying it now. Menstruation. Now? I... Yes, menstruation.
0: Menstruation. Jamie,
1: no. You don't. you don't have to. You're saying it like you're scared. Don't say it like you're scared. Abby. Say it like it's normal.
0: Menstruation.
1: Menstruation. Administration.
0: Jesus, bad. you're you're so right. This feels like an evolution of Lady Bird very naturally. Like even the hair is even a darker yeah. shade of pink. Exactly. Of Greta Gerig's character of Abby. And I. the thing I love most about Lady Bird's character is that in a position where she doesn't necessarily have nothing to lose, but she has a lot to gain, she still challenges the people around her, which I think is very refreshing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. She's kind of like... I think for a lot of people or at least like for myself and from listening to interviews of Greta Gerwig talk about the Lady Bird character like there are things about her that are relatable to our own experience but also the Lady Bird character is more outspoken than I think a lot of us um were allowed ourselves to be or I at least allowed myself to be and to see a woman in like a catholic school question outwardly like abortion and sex and all these things is pretty empowering like retrospectively um, and then yeah I love the Abby character in this moment kind of doing the same thing like just being like hey look this is part of life menstruation just say it
0: that's the exact scene I thought of the uh, abortion scene in Lady Bird I wish I could have been that ballsy long story short <laughs> if you had had an abortion we wouldn't have
1: had to sit through this stupid ceremony. <laughs> the girl likes to put her foot in her mouth uh, Lee Garcia, have you seen Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird?
2: Yeah, I was just talking with Sam that I think it was like the Movie Pass era because mm. I saw this multiple times in theaters. If it wasn't, I just went back and saw it a lot uh, because I really enjoyed it. It's been a while and I'm not sure that I've seen it since theaters, but I'm excited to revisit it with you guys. And I think I have a pretty strong memory of it. I just remember like Because I saw it multiple times in theaters probably close enough back to back. Like I remember each scene Mm -hmm. pretty – I don't know. A lot of the scenes spoke to me. It's a good freaking movie.
1: There's so many iconic and specific moments and – So, yeah, before we jump into the plot, I want to give you a little info about Greta Gerwig herself. She's a person I admire a lot. And this is her, like I mentioned, solo directorial debut, though she co-directed a film several years before this. Um, But, yeah, she directed this film at age 34 after about a decade of acting. Um, She's also, since this film, directed an adaptation of Little Women in an upcoming Barbie movie. Hell, Yeah. She's just, like, taking all the things I love and just delivering them to me on a little platter. Because I was a Barbie bitch, (laughs) and I think I still am. How do you feel about the new film coming out?
0: Oh, I'm super excited. I painted my nails Barbie pink (gasps) for that exact reason. Um, Oh, my God. My personal favorite, not to get out of the subject of Barbie, is Frances Ha. That movie Mm. actually changed my life, and her performance in that film – is phenomenal. There's a beautiful magic that you bring to directing as an actor. And I think that's why that every time you see her in the BTS photos with other actors, they're looking at her like they're so obsessed with her. Like Timothy Chalamet and Seaha Sharonin are looking at her like she's like made of gold.
1: Literally every interview and every BTS photo on set, everyone who's in the room with her is centered towards her like she just has this way of pulling you in Mm -hmm. and it's very natural like it doesn't feel like she's trying to be perfect or trying to be beautiful or trying to be intelligent or whatever she just like has a way of looking at life that is so interesting and and she has a way of like presence Mm -hmm. and you can even you can definitely feel that in her films like she Every film that she's directed has been a little different, but the intentionality behind the characters and the specificity of the character in the world she creates is so real. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm so stoked for Barbie. Like, I feel like Barbie's really gotten a resurgence the last few years. There was, like, a Hulu documentary. The documentary is called Tiny Shoulders. And, like, and since I saw that, it kind of had me thinking about Barbie as a brand and how it affected, like, little kids across the world. And I was like, no one, no one can do it better than Greta. No one's going to give Barbie the attention like Greta. Could you imagine if it was like Steven Spielberg
0: doing Barbie?
1: (laughs) Like Barbie on fire, Barbie like flying through the air,
0: getting eaten by a shark. No, I, Greta, like you're saying, brings such like a human as well as like almost a fantastical, like a totally trivial, fantastical element of real life to storytelling that makes you feel like you can just go and do the things or feel inspired in the way that she tells stories. And I fucking love Lady Bird. I can't wait for Barbie. It's going to fucking rock my shit. Let's
1: fucking go. Ryan Gosling is kin. Okay, anyway, we're not here to talk about Barbie, Lizzie. <laughs> People in interviews with Greta Gerwig about Lady Bird were really quick to draw parallels between her and the titular character, Lady Bird. So Greta was born and raised in Sacramento. She attended a Catholic high school like Lady Bird, moved to New York for college, and where she attended on scholarships and financial aid. And because of these, like, really superficial reasons, it seems like a lot of critics have tried to call Lady Bird a work of, like, autobiography, or at least semi-autobiography. But I found this interview where she kind of pushes against that and says it kind of annoys her because she doesn't like the idea that like just because it's a story that is yeah in some superficial way similar she thinks it's limiting to think that women in particular can only write stories that are their like direct lived experiences Mm -hmm. and there is like an element of like what you know is what inspires the story but she says other than the fact that this was a story she wanted to take place in sacramento there's almost no other parallel features between her and the heroine of Lady Bird. And I thought that was really interesting because what I, I find this film to be so relatable, but I've had many people, like my partner, for example, who (laughs) didn't grow up with Lady Bird's experience being a male in the South with a Hispanic family, you know, who can watch Lady Bird and cry along with me, or like queer people who can not even be as affected by the queer character storylines and still feel like a kinship to the world of Lady Bird. So its universality is not that she just is like mirroring herself on screen. It's that she creates like this really specific environment, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't know if any of that resonates with you, but I never considered the fact that calling a work semi-autobiographical could be like limiting Mm -hmm. um, to the creator itself. And saying like, oh, well, you only know X, Y, Z, so therefore you can only write about X, Y, Z. And she's like, actually, no, I'm writing about ABC and the color mauve and Mm -hmm. the color chartreuse and everything else that feels real to me, you know. That's so constricting to say
0: like, yeah, you had a hometown, so you can only write about things that circulate around your hometown. It's nobody really accuses men who are auteurs of doing the exact same thing. Fucking Who is it? Scorsese? Like, he was, like, jacking off over the fact that fucking Godfather, or who was it, Goodfellas, was, like, based on his mom's home cooking or whatever. Right, the
1: recipes are in Goodfellas. (laughs) Yeah, and I think Greta Gerwig comes under a lot of criticism, which is not to say that criticism isn't valid where it's assigned, but it's also, like, I don't see male directors creating coming-of-age stories getting the criticism that Greta Gerwig has gotten about creating Lady Bird. So that's almost like a whole other episode in itself. But um, I really value what she's doing. And yes, she could always be doing more. Um, People have criticized Lady Bird for being very white. And they're right. It's a very white movie. I do hope and I've seen for myself that All sorts of people, no matter their experience, have found a way to relate to this work as art. And I think it's just like a fine line of like encouraging white creators to do better while also recognizing when there is a work that is just fucking really good. I understand the criticism
0: is valid, but it's not to say that Greta Gerwig should not make these films it's to say that people of color should have more access to make films at the same capacity so i mean why are you coming for greta gerwig
1: she's not the enemy no what the fuck yeah i always feel that way whenever i hear criticism specifically about Lady Bird. i'm like of all the voices that are being amplified in hollywood right now like if you're going to turn down some to make space for bipoc people or queer people like don't choose Greta. You know what
0: it's I mean? such like, a reach just to have something to say in the negative space. Like Catherine Bigelow to be like, she she made a movie about the army. What about the people back home in the United States? It's like, come on. This movie has a subject. It's the specific story. Yeah. Like you're you're actively reaching to yeah. try to find
1: something to say. Exactly. So yeah, I didn't even plan to say any of that, (laughs) but (laughs) I guess like I've just been so immersed in the behind the scenes of Lady Bird and every and all the conversations that it has sparked that that was kind of on my mind but, so thanks for listening to that diatribe but you know i will listen to all of your diatribes lizzie that's <laughs> what this fucking podcast is about that's your hobby yes <laughs> us listening to each other we diatribes. don't have hobbies <laughs> <laughs> we don't have hobbies we just have podcasts yes <laughs> all right so let's get into the movie lady bird
0: is that your given name yeah why is it in quotes
1: i gave it to myself it's given to me by me
0: lady bird
3: always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks but i always thought that that was like a metaphor but there are actual train tracks
0: Does mom hate me if you're tired we can sit down. I'm not tired. You were dragging your feet. You are so infuriating Wait, stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Oh, oh it's God. Perfect you love it.
3: I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be
0: What if this is the best version? Uh, can we please raise a glass a toast to Greta
1: and also Saoirse. And also Saoirse. 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 I think one of the many marks of a great director is how to assemble a cast that has chemistry any which way a scene has to roll. I'll gush over this in Little Women again, I'm sure. But the, the cast she chose for Lady Bird is really, really good. I mean, Saoirse Ronan is probably... One of my top three favorite actors of all time and could not have nailed this part any better.
0: To speak on this even further, because I am the biggest fan of Saoirse Ronan, is when Paul Melskow was interviewed uh, for receiving the Best Actor nomination for After Sun. He said, I agreed to work with Charlotte Wells and I'm so grateful because I want to be Saoirse Sharonin to her Greta Gerwig. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like... I, I think their partnership is so evident, especially with um, Greta Gerwig's, like, auteur-ship, auteurism. I don't know if you would say that. <laughs> but um, I think it's made, like, a huge wave uh, in, in filmmaking recently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. She's definitely at the forefront. And Saoirse, from her first roles at, like, age 12, has garnered acclaim. In fact, she got a Oscar nomination for this role, which is just amazing and didn't she get nominated for atonement when she was like actually a child yeah you're right she got best supporting actress nomination for atonement and she was she was nominated for brooklyn ladybird and little woman for best actress holy shit i didn't realize that let's go bitch give her her flowers and she's she's seriously the best okay enough about her So we start the story out. We meet our pink-haired high school senior heroine Christine, a.k.a. Lady Bird, and her mother in a car heading back home to Sacramento after visiting some state colleges. They're listening to Grapes of Wrath on library audio cassette and crying.
0: Her mother, played by Laurie Metcalf, who I don't know if she got a supporting actress nomination for this, but she definitely deserved that. Yeah.
1: No, this is such uh, there's so many mother-daughter relationships portrayed on film, but I found this one to be especially painfully accurate. Mm-hmm. And like and also I found that this family was so like painfully middle class in a way that I could I could not relate to more like they're listening to a borrowed audiobook on their on their road trip. That's free. <laughs> He's she's constantly kind of reminding and guilt tripping her kids about like how much food costs and magazines the store costs and how much school costs they're going on shopping trips to thrift town they're going to open houses when they're having a bad Sunday to go kind of envision this better life and I find that they're they're like constant push-pull struggle to be like so real and like to be one of the more painful aspects of this film.
0: Greta Gerwig does such a great job of cementing them in reality. This is like probably around the 2008 like, economic crash of the United States where, yes, her father has experience. He's like considered like a white-collar worker, but they still can't afford to buy mm-hmm. Lady Bird new uniforms. The fact that like if Lady Bird doesn't clean up her room, her mom's like, who's going to buy you a new outfit? We can't afford that. Do you want your father's coworkers to think we're poor, they're never gonna hire him again. Mm-hmm. You know, these these slights and these little things that you might think that you can tell your children that will just bounce right off, that seeps into their entire psyche. Like a child of Lady Bird's age, because she is a child, should not be saddled with this amount of pressure every time she goes anywhere because she already knows she's more poor than everybody she goes to school with.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's a constant like struggle between her And her mother and that, like, Lady Bird does want more and, like, having to balance that as, like, a shameful experience for her parents to endure versus showing her appreciation for what she does have, like... Her parents are constantly saying, like, oh, we don't give you enough. Like, this isn't enough for you. You have to want more, more, more. And, like, Lady Bird does want more, but she doesn't let that guilt hold her back. And this will this will come. There's more scenes of this particular middle class and guilt trip struggle between the two that will come up again later. So, for now, the dream that Ladybird has for more is manifested in her desire to go to a college out east. Mm-hmm. She wants to move to where culture is. And her mother is constantly trying to bring her back down to earth and remind her that they simply cannot afford these schools out east, and she probably wouldn't get in anyway. <laughs> Ooh, ouch! Um, ice fucking
0: cold, dude. Ice
1: cold. I mean, she's probably not wrong, but like, jeez, don't tell everybody you
0: that. in Lady Bird's life is so quick to fucking check her?
1: <laughs> the the older woman, especially, like the nuns at her school, were like. <laughs> You could you, never get into Yale. You
0: definitely could not get in there.
1: Okay, meanwhile, fucking Michael Sarah's character in Super Bad is getting into Dartmouth. And I'm like, <laughs> for what? He's really gonna make a tear me see. So anyway, Lady Bird attends a Catholic private school and <laughs> there's so many little details in these in this world in particular that hit me hard. I didn't go to a Catholic school, but I went to a private Christian school. The way the, like, uniform shirt and the uniform skirts, like, fit these girls' bodies is, like, it literally transported me back into time. (laughs) It's so accurate. And also there's a scene where at some point the theater um, teacher gets replaced by a coach. And that was, like, the hallmark of a Christian school in Louisiana is, like, oh, half of your – classes are probably taught by a sports coach (laughs) you're gonna come in here blocking you're gonna come in here run run this is the singing lines we're singing we're We're singing singing. at them fast as you can fast as you can (laughs) (laughs) it's like very ted lasso but just like not helpful at all (laughs) so um one of the nun sisters at the school she goes to delivers a line later in the film that greta basically pinpoints as like the thesis of lady bird it's whenever the nuns uh, – the sister and Lady Bird are sitting down in her office and she's reviewing a college essay that Lady Bird just wrote. And she says, oh, you dear, you clearly love Sacramento with, you know, how much attention and pride you have writing about it. And Lady Bird says, sure, I guess I pay attention. And sister says, don't you think that they're the same thing, love and attention? And I, I – Pulled this idea from – there's a couple of critics online that have, like, highlighted this as the thesis and then in the audio commentary, Greta Gerwig talks about this as the thesis. But the more I thought about it, the more it seemed to be um, the through line of the relationships in the film, both the romantic ones and the mother-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. If love equals attention in the world of Lady Bird, then her mother is constantly – giving her either too much attention by (laughs) criticizing her every move or by withdrawing that attention completely like she does at the end of the film and, like, cold-shouldering her. Yeah. And then Lady Bird herself is always kind of pointing attention towards her own individuality, her own identity, and that makes her a very, like, empowered character but a very selfish one, and that ends up hurting people in her life like Julie whenever she withdraws her attention from Julie – julie is spurned and they have like a falling out and finally like where i see this idea of like love is attention in is in greta gerwig she gives the most attention of all i mean you can tell not just from like the bts clips and i have one infamous bts clip i'll (laughs) bring up later you know the one because you actually showed it to me but you can feel her attention to every detail from like the plates that they're eating off of to the color of the wallpaper to the hue of Sarah Sharonin's hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea of attention as love because it, it really is the connecting thing between all these characters, no matter their relationship.
0: I completely agree. Like the first time you 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 saying that love as attention. And if the mother is giving too much love and it comes across as criticism, I mean, it it reminds me of like any houseplant that you've ever had. You can pay (laughs) too much attention to it and it'll fucking die. You overwater it and it dies. You underwater it and it dies. It, It has to be this happy medium where you're to to love something yes is to pay attention to it but you also have to take account of to what that thing is where it is in time and space can it handle any more water <laughs> <laughs> does it need that much sunlight <laughs> exactly so love is attention i do a- agree with that i think it's also kind of a tightrope balance and i think that this film is saying that in many ways like yes lori metcalf who plays lady bird's mom loves her but if she had more consideration, I think that love would be more
1: evident. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, like I said, moving forward, this fucking film has, like, a million scenes and a million characters. And I am I physically am not going to go over all of them because we'd be here all night. But I am going to highlight some of the more poignant relationships. Um, so, one of the main ones of the film is Lady Bird's kind of quest for love, Um which the first one manifests in the form of Danny, played by Lucas Hedges. They meet trying out for the fall musical. Everybody say don't. Everybody say don't. Everybody <laughs> say don't. It isn't right. <laughs> He's like a Labrador retriever puppy. He is the gayest man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, my life. God. Like, Ladybird, wake up, girl. Like, one of the first things he ever says to her is like, uh, it's my dream to go to Paris. It's why I'm <laughs> taking French. And you're like,
0: oh, girl. Hindsight is 20-20. If he says it's his dream to go to Paris in the same breath that he introduces himself to you, that is a homosexual man. If he
1: requests the help of using hot rollers in his hair to achieve <laughs> a Jimmy Morrison look, he
0: might not be the straightest man alive. Oh uh, God, I love this movie because... The audience knows exactly what's going to happen always right before it happens. You know, none of it is a surprise. Even the reveal that happens later with lugachevs Hedges, it's like, oh, we were kind of waiting for this. Oh
1: God, I wish I could admit that I saw that coming. But like the two of them have such chemistry mm-hmm. and you literally see them fall in love. Like they kiss and they, they say, I love you and stuff. Like mm-hmm. if Sarah rona didn't have just such chemistry with literally Anyone, including just being by herself, a
0: paper towel, <laughs> exactly.
1: But um, I do want to show you um, a behind-the-scenes clip of these two actors being directed by Greta Gerwig uh, as they run through like a garden on one of their dates. Uh, because this clip brings me a lot of joy. The iconography of this clip. Oh, That's good. Now go get him. <laughs> and Lukey, come over to her. Come collapse. Kiss her! No, kiss her! <laughs> That's great. Now, Sergeant, go jump up and go run! Yes! And then lie and just look at each other. And look, as you better kiss her. <laughs>
0: I think you must have to be not human to be unsusceptible to the charisma of Greta Gerwig as a director
1: no and like I showed you this whole clip and most of it is her at the director's chair you know directing Lucas and Saoirse as they're like rolling around the grass and kissing and playing but a lot of what the footage is as well is just some of the gaffer and the grip people setting up some of the equipment and they look like they're having fun too like it's not just the director and the actors in the inner circle like I've been on sets before and if you're not in that like inner circle of first team they call it like with the actors and the director and the ad and stuff it can feel really alienating like I've been on sets where I don't even know what the fucking movie's about (laughs) and it seems like on Greta Gerwig's sets like everyone is appreciated and everyone's having a good time and Everyone's kind of in the vibe of whatever's going on. And I like watching this clip I actually got a little emotional because I was like working in the film industry. I've seen it crush so many of my friends just take their souls and just shrivel them up because it's just like this commercial machine. But it doesn't have to be like that in the same way. I feel about the Daniels producing work, like, everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, it doesn't have to be a soulless experience. Like, we're making movies. We're telling stories. Like, where is the humanity in that on the day-to-day creation level, too? Mm -hmm. And I feel like she brings that element that has to be missing from probably most commercial sets.
0: Yeah. uh, People forget that it is a team sport. Mm-hmm. You know, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people that have to come together on a production of this scale to complete your vision. I mean, you can do that by isolating everyone and running it like a fucking military fucking operation. I mean, these teenagers are supposed to be falling over each other in a garden <laughs> of flowers. Like, how inauthentic would that be if you if you just ran it like some sort of... I don't know,
1: like some sort of fucking drill team. Right. Because if you have a happy crew, you're probably making a better movie. Yeah. No, a thousand percent.
0: And we've all, like everybody, I think in this room and maybe the people who listen, have all like had a romantic view on filmmaking because, Mm -hmm. I mean, films evoke so many emotions from you and – If you've ever wanted to make a film in your life, like, you want to have an experience like this where you're having a real connection with the people on the other side of the camera. If not, then what the fuck are you doing? Are these trained robots? Is this Chuck E. Cheese? Are these animatronics? Like It's a
1: 12-hour day. Like, you have to be comfortable with each other. mm -hmm. There's so much vulnerability and trust in the industry, and that gets broken time and time again by people at top being assholes. You don't have to be an asshole to make good work. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so glad people like Greta Gerwig and the Daniels are out there doing it well and being successful. You can be commercially successful and do, like, a human job of treating your crew well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my TED Talk. I'm, I'm with you, to bitch. <laughs> so back to the story. So, yes, Lady Bird and Danny. At least Ladybird is falling in love with Danny. And there's one scene in particular that hit me really hard where Danny and Ladybird have just had their first kiss after the homecoming dance. Which, by the way, what Ladybird is wearing in this scene the little Western shirt, the little pants, little pigtails I'm so sorry. That's a queer woman.
0: You have better work to get a Western get up like that. What song are they dancing to? Like, isn't it Bone Thugs and Harmony? <laughs> right. <laughs> Did
1: you know Greta Gerwig basically music supervises all her own work?
0: Yes.
1: And oh, I, I read this too. Like for each of the actors, she gave them each their own playlist for this film in particular to kind of get in the mood. Let me see if I can look up. Okay. The one that she gave Lucas Hedges, who plays Danny, was um Magnetic Fields, a bunch of Broadway numbers, including Mary Lee, We Roll Along, which we were singing earlier. <laughs> John Lennon, Elliot Smith, Super Tramp. And then that great song from Rent, the best song of Rent. That's like 000, 600 minutes. And I found this playlist on Spotify, and I was, I've been banging to it all week. I'm gonna link it to you.
0: I know this episode isn't about me, but Lizzie can <laughs> attest to this. If I'm gonna do anything, I'm gonna make a mixtape. Mm-hmm. I would. If you told me that you were getting a root canal, bitch, you're gonna get a <laughs> thirty-five minute mixtape. I will. I will set a tone to. Lizzie, how many mixtapes do you have that I've made you?
1: I have, don't even have a CD player, but I have about 25 CDs <laughs> that I will just never get rid of that you like,
0: I'm renewing my license. I'd be like, hold on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> magnetic <laughs> Fields. DMV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Magnetic Fields is on her playlist as well. <laughs> anyway. Will you make us a subtextual playlist? Absolutely. You're like, I already have one.
0: One song from every film we've ever covered. I can guarantee
1: <gasps> you that. I could the row up i love that idea i can do so it i'm much. doing it right
0: now in my brain it's done it's done, Consider it
1: done. <laughs> i'm obsessed she also like showed them her old yearbook photos and took them on like a driving tour of sacramento her hometown it's just she's the cutest person alive
0: no i i would kill myself for her
1: kms for gg so anyway after this kiss lady bird and danny share she goes home Overjoyed, um, but her mom hears her come in the house and like instantly gets on her ass about leaving her uniform out in her room. And she reveals that like your father's lost his job and there are people out there that could employ him, that could employ him, but they won't if they think his family looks like trash. Ouch. And Lady Bird says, "Didn't you ever not put away your clothes perfectly? And didn't you wish your mother wouldn't get mad at you for it?" And her mother retorts, "My mother was an abusive alcoholic." Uh. Generational trauma. The generational trauma. Because again, harking back to what we were talking about with the mother-daughter relationship and what if her mother just had like a little bit more, you know, empathy and patience with her. It's like we're we're getting to see the coming of age story from both sides, from the person that's coming of age and the person that's washing them through this transition and just trying to cope through it. Mm-hmm. And so you get so much empathy for this character. And she does that a lot, actually. This movie has, like, a lot of these, like, hidden sadnesses, Mm -hmm. little Easter eggs of sad. Mm -hmm. There's, like, Kyle's father, who's dying of cancer, who you see for a fleeting moment in one scene. Um, There's multiple characters suffering with, like, severe depression, including Julie, the the theater teacher. That Mm. one scene, probably my favorite scene in the whole film, where he's, like... Uh, we're gonna play, play who the can first, cry first. Yeah, first one to cry wins uh, in the theater class. And he just starts sobbing and says, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just like these little hidden sads that we don't need to know more about this character you know, we can fill in the blanks ourselves. Even in the happy
0: scenes, like there's she, Lady Bird comes back from like a dance or something, and they're all super stoned and they're like eating, <laughs> I don't know, probably lean cuisines. <laughs> and the mom comes in and they're all like shrink into a, a corner. And she's the mom's obviously aware that they're high and she goes, We missed you tonight, Lady Bird. Yeah. Or something and walks away. It's just like fucking heartbreakingly sad.
1: I know it's so it's so fucking good, you guys. All right, back to Danny. So, also in this scene in the garden, there's this great little exchange of dialogue between Danny and Lady Bird, where they're like laying in the grass, kind of like kissing and looking up at the stars. And she turns to him and says, "You know you can touch my boobs, right?" And he says, I I know. I respect you too much. (laughs) (laughs) She said, oh, I totally get that. If you had boobs, I wouldn't touch them either. (laughs) It's like these two queer children just like trying to figure it
0: out. I respect Lady Bird on another level for being as horny as she is. You know, it's hard to be a young woman and be that horny.
1: But to be in control of her sexuality, she's like, okay, I'm ready to have sex now. This
0: moment. You want to touch my boob? No. Okay, cool. Timothy Chalamet, do you want to touch my boob? Yes. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
1: go. Which Timothy Chalamet is a lesbian, by the way. A lesbian woman. A lesbian woman. Like Joe Jonas. Yes. So the Danny relationship kind of comes crashing down on her the night that they open their play together the whole cast goes to what i assume is a denny's afterwards <laughs> <laughs> and i <hopped laughs> to assault the, the weight staff and to not tip the weight staff and uh, ladybird's in line for the girl's room which is too long so she's like oh there's never a line in the boy's room and she goes into a stall in the boy's room and finds danny kissing another boy cast member and she's heartbroken okay so Lady Bird opens this bathroom stall,
0: walks in on them making out, and not even in an instant, turns a heel. Like she doesn't even take it in. Like she really doesn't. She's just like <gasps> turns and then Julie's like, wait, what is it? And she was like, It's occupied or something. And she grabs Julie and they go into a car and they sing, Crash into
1: me. <laughs> Confession, I loved that song in high school. I <gasps> You're kidding! No, I'm not. That is it's going like a on the playlist. My... Put it on the playlist. <laughs> oh, the scene is so painful. I did not find it to be relatable, but I still found it to be painful.
0: I found it to be relatable because not even in the gay straight sense or whatever, but I just like dated people in high school where I found them kissing somewhere else. Excuse me, I found them kissing someone else, and I was like, "That's horrible."
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter who they're kissing. It's
0: Horrible. Hey, Alexa, play <laughs> my Black Parade. By, <laughs> welcome to
1: the Black Parade. By the
0: was. <laughs> oh, oh, It just,
1: like, kills you, man. There's nothing
0: sadder that's ever happened to me in my entire existence up until the point. That we know of yet. That we know of yet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay i I want s- to really slow this down and make everyone cry by showing you the scene at the coffee shop where Danny finally corners Ladybird and asks her about that night
3: my my grandma wanted me to tell you that she missed you at Christmas
1: yeah, well, I couldn't have gone anyway. My mom was pissed about Thanksgiving.
3: Your mom is crazy I'm scared of her she's not crazy she just you know she She has a big heart. She's very warm. I don't find your mother warm. You don't? No, well, no. She's warm, yeah, but she's also kind of scary.
2: Well, you can't be scary and warm.
3: I think you can. Your mom is. You're gay. Fuck me. Can you not tell anyone, please? I'm so sorry about everything. I'm so ashamed of all of it. It's just... It's going to be bad, and I just need a little bit of time to figure out how I'm going to tell my mom and dad and—
0: Don't worry. <laughs> I won't tell. <talk. laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay, I can describe that scene. So, Lady Bird is working at her local coffee shop, and Lucas Hedges' character, Danny, comes to uh check in on her and is probably requesting that she tells no one that she knows that he is gay and she says she'll tell no one and he breaks down into this absolute sob and she just holds him Ugh, it's just completely devastating
1: the thing i I love so many things about this scene, but one of the things I love most is the clear arc of Ladybird going from like pissed at this person like she has turned off her attention she is no longer in love with Danny she's like crossed his name off of her wall but within seconds she has decided she has adopted empathy for him and is like a hundred percent on his side and I think that's such an interesting part of this character to have the dichotomy of hot and cold and positive and negative all at once because, like, that was adolescence. It was figuring your shit out in the drop of a hat or not at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And also that Greta Gerwig chose to linger on this shot and just, like, let you sit with the sorrow and the pain and the fear and also the acceptance uh, and the support of this scene because, you know, the coming out experience has been... Shot at every fucking angle at this point in cinema. But I do think that this one is a little special in how, like, deeply you feel for this character. And this is just one of the many moments and many heartbreaks and many, like, hidden sad Easter eggs of the film. I mean, Greta goes with Lady Bird
0: on this up and down sort of trajectory throughout the whole film. Either she's, like, at this high where she's kissing this boy that she likes or she's at this absolute low – and I think that it would have been incredibly easy for her to completely skate over. She could have very well not included this clip after the kiss and just chalked it up to Lady Bird liking a guy that was gay. But not only did she show this resolution, she also showed the absolute demolishment of this character and what they were going through. It, I mean, what does it do for Lady Bird? Almost like nothing, but it really does paint her as a character And also, like, informs all of these minor characters, which I think Greta does so well. There's no—even Lady Bird's siblings and her siblings' partners (laughs) and everyone else she interacts with, all the nuns at this private Catholic school, they are Mm three-dimensional people.
1: Every single person that speaks has something going on behind the surface. Mm -hmm. Also, it's like— kind of gay to fall in love with a gay boy I'm so sorry <laughs> I know I'm just speaking from my high school experience yet again but like I had the biggest crush on like the only gay boy in our school and I went to homecoming with him and we had a great time I think
0: that's safe to say it's a little gay to like someone gay <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Lucas Hedges, what a cutie. Did you ever see the film, he did, the next film he did after this, I believe, was Boy Erased, about the conversion therapy. I haven't seen it. Of course, it's like the most devastating thing you'll ever watch, but, um... He had a really interesting year, and also when Lee, you mentioned earlier, Movie Pass. I think you're totally right about Lady Bird being within there because it was also when Sam and I saw Call Me by Your Name like a thousand times in theater for free, yeah. thanks to Movie Pass. Mm-hmm. Man, that was such like a rife, great stretch of time for queer cinema.
0: Even the most mid movies that came out at that time, I watched probably like four times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Not these included Ladybird and Call Me By Your Name. I probably watched eight times. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Anytime they were available.
1: So after her failed relationship with Danny, she presents herself and snags Kyle, who's like this bassist, anarchist, roly smoking. Lesbian ass motherfucker, libertarian ass bitch. <laughs> His hair is so long; anything could be under that mop.
0: Mm-hmm. You know it's what I mean? Played by Timothy Chalamet. I don't know if if you know who he is. <laughs> He's guys, a real
1: up and comer. Kind of underground.
0: Uh, maybe you've heard of him. fringe.
1: Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Timothy Chalamet again. Sarah Sharonin and Timothy Chalamet chemistry top level. Highest tier, God-level chemistry. Mm -hmm.
0: I think they're actually contractually obligated to uh, act opposite each other every two years.
1: With Greta Gerwig. With Greta Gerwig. (laughs) So to wrap up the end of the film, she eventually does have sex with Timmy. And it's not as special as she thought it would be. Who's on top the first time they have sex? (laughs) (laughs) Iconic bitch. And using protection, too. Let's go. We love it. She gets accepted to a school in New York, which severely pisses off her mom. And what I think about this film being so interesting is that, like, there's all these low points with romantic characters. But the actual low point of the film... You better preach. ...is whenever her mother cuts off this level of attention to her and gives her the cold shoulder after she finds out about the school. And that is the most devastating part of the movie.
0: As you said earlier, if love is attention and there is no attention...
1: No love.
0: She drops her off at the airport and it's like, I don't want to park.
1: Yeah, it's too expensive to park here. Like, barely looks her in the eye. Uh, but then we travel with the mom again. Not Like, this is the mother's coming of age perspective on this side. As she pulls off and kind of, you know, does the loop that you have to do because you can never park at the airport. Um, and realizes somewhere in that loop that she's like, holy shit, like, I have to say goodbye to her. Like, something clicks in her head. And she... Rips back to the drop-off zone, parks that car in the illegal parking area, and runs into the airport, which is that amazing rom-com trope, but, like, used in a different way that it's just so good and heartbreaking cuz she misses her. Because she misses her. You think she's going to make it but she doesn't. And what's beautiful is before
0: Laurie Metcalf who plays Lady Bird's mother realizes that she has to turn around, we get the sequence of shots that mirrors Lady Bird and her mother when Lady Bird has just gotten her license. So she yeah, you see she's driving. the mother going through the bridges of Sacramento. Like you like not exactly the bridges but you see, like you do see this these flash clips laid over each other. Yeah. And it like pings and she goes back as fast as she can, but Ladybird's gone.
1: <sighs> this was the year of the daddy issues, Lizzie. Well, we're going back to twenty twenty-two. <laughs> so the end of the film, really my only qualm with the film is one of the final scenes. Basically, Ladybird moves to New York, starts going by Christine again, which is a great name. And she goes to her first New York party where she ends up getting so drunk that she's taken to the ER in an ambulance. This is really the only unbelievable part of the film for me. I love this part. She gets her stomach pumped. Like, come on. I guess she's like, go big or go home. Yeah. But I still was like, okay, she couldn't have just like passed out in her dorm room.
0: I think they were like, we're up in the ante.
1: The switch is unhinged. Yeah. (laughs) She might not have a good time in New York consider it <laughs> mm-hmm. but anyway so she wakes up the next morning at the hospital stumbles out into the world and into a church actually and she attends a church service and decides afterwards to call her mom and leave her this voicemail basically just being like hey I want to tell you I love you thank you so much this is Christine talk to you soon And I found this quote from Greta Gerwig in the um, audio commentary of the film where she describes the ending of the film like this. Lady Bird hangs up the flip phone and inhales. The film cuts on the inhale because when she exhales, we're in a different story and I'm not telling the next story. Uh, And I went back and watched it and that like hit me so hard. I started to like like blubber because you see her take this breath and that's it. Cut to... cut to black and again it just goes to these like little details this attention that Greta Gerwig aims to her stories and to her characters that attention that is love that you can feel throughout the film and honestly I've had so much more to say about this film but I'm just gonna leave it at that I just want to say to my point
0: earlier that like although Lady Bird is not a character that has nothing to lose she does have everything to gain we see her Put even the slightest effort into being popular and it worked out almost immediately. (laughs) That's true. Uh, So it, it furthers Lizzie's point of, you know, this character, she's kind of in this middle area where she can choose her own story. And I appreciate that instead of trying to assimilate to a certain degree, she says, I know that I'm not like other people. And maybe that's something that I can own. I love Lady Bird. I love this film. I love Greta Gerwig. This is, like I've said a million times, this is my comfort movie. And Mm -hmm. it's bulletproof. No one fucking come for me.
1: Bulletproof. You know, I didn't really realize that this film was perfect until basically my last watch. Uh Because the film is so painful to watch, I think that pain kind of like nagged at me. But realizing, like, watching it beat for beat like I do for the podcast, I was like, there really is no flaw, not a single period, comma, pixel out of place. Yeah. To that point, in the critical and box office reception of this film, it's probably the most critically successful film we've ever covered. Wow, really? So it became the most reviewed film ever to remain at 100% at Rotten Tomatoes with 164 positive reviews it beat out Toy Story 2. As it should have. Because <laughs> that's not even that good of a movie. Exactly. But it stayed at 100% fresh until its 196th review was not certified fresh. And apparently that critic wrote a negative review on purpose to oh. mar the face of Ladybird, which is so rotten tomatoes. What's the address? Give me the IP address. I'm going to send you the link to his LinkedIn person. and you can just fucking get him.
0: We're going to dox him here on Subtextual. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> So, regardless of that, though, it's been nominated and won awards left, right, and center. SAG Awards, Golden Globes, Critic Choice. At the 90th Academy Awards, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay. Sierra Shanam. Did she really? Yeah. Oh my God. She lost to Frances McDormand.
0: As she should have. Nomad Land was incredible. You have to say that. No, tell it wasn't Nomad Land. Was.
1: It was Three Billboards. Okay, never mind. That was a weird year. And also, Metcalf got a supporting actress nom. No wins. But pretty good for a directorial f- debut. It's very rare that a film I love this much actually is loved as much by other people. Well, it's because
0: people like you and me are growing up and we have more of a voice and we've got more to say.
1: Yeah, and we're like, hey, Saoirse Ronan's cool.
0: It's not a bunch of like weird bros that are like, Pulp Fiction actually is. <laughs>
1: They're like, actually, Ladybird wasn't even that good. Unfresh. <laughs> and you're like, fuck
0: you. Actually, do you know that she was like born in Sacramento? Unfresh.
1: It's uh, basically an autobiography of her <laughs> own life. She can't even direct a movie not about her own life. Um, also, it made a bunch of money. On a budget of $10 million, it grossed $79 million in the box okay, office. Okay, so how many
0: of those millions were mine, be honest? <laughs> At least
1: 0. 0.5. I would like to think that this movie made all of them millionaires.
0: I would hope so. I would hope the amount of money I spent on this film would allow me a certain amount of meet-and-greet access, but probably not.
1: <laughs> One day, babe. Okay. You're gonna get there. All right, so how about we... S- Score this masterpiece. So how the subtextual... Actually, Lee, how do how the subtextual scores work?
2: All right. So the subtextual score works by... Uh, we judge the movie how gay is it and how good is it on a score from 1 to 10. Does it go to 0? Just 1 to 10. 1 is the lowest.
1: We haven't gotten a 0 yet, but I'm not taking it <laughs> off the table. <laughs> Potentially
2: 0 to 10, but um, <laughs> we'll stick to 1 to 10. And uh, yeah, at the end we take those numbers all together and average it so it's not the best movie it's not the gayest movie it's a combination could it be the gayest and best or the most straight and worst movie ever? I don't know. We'll,
1: see. <laughs> we'll see we'll see <laughs> all right samuel how how gay is this movie
0: like a three
1: not super gay would you think huh
0: not super gay
1: if there was a second chapter though Oh, would be exponentially gayer.
0: Yeah, there'd be some like lesbian shit happening there Mm -hmm. for sure.
1: I mean, I'll give it I will give it a five because though there isn't a lead character, there is a supporting character who is gay by word and association and act. So there you go.
0: You don't have to explain to
1: me. I mean, <laughs> that's my up. hobby, Sam, explaining myself me. to you. There you go. <laughs> Say something. All right, Sam, how good is this film? Ten. Ten?
0: Fucking fight me in the streets.
1: I'm going to give it a nine and a half. Bitch ass. Because I'm a bitch ass.
0: Non-believer. Shun the non-believer.
1: <laughs> Ladybird has a score of 6.9. Sixty nine. Hey,
0: I think that's our first sixty nine. Yeah.
1: No, this is like our third sixty nine. Fuck. Our last sixty nine was My Policeman. Ooh.
0: Remember that film? Okay, this is much better than that. <laughs> I blame you, Lizzie.
1: I know, but boys have sex, My Policeman. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: but Lady Bird listens to Dave Matthews Band. It's
1: leader Kitty, bro. <laughs> Come on. I would
0: give both tits for a Lady Bird sequel. As would I. Let's just watch 20th Century Women. How That's about that? basically
1: it. Is there one after that? 21st Century woman. <laughs> 22nd Century woman. Xenon, girl of the, <laughs> the 21st century. century. <laughs> yes. The trifecta.
0: Greta Gerwig would have loved that movie.
1: Oh, okay, you guys. Like, prepare yourselves for a future Little Women episode. And prepare yourselves to see Barbie in July. Hell oh,
0: yeah, because we're going to be in that.
1: I'm in that movie. Yeah. I'm on the poster.
0: If we're not in the movie, we're going
1: to be sat right next to you in the theater. <laughs> in the lap of you in the theater. Yeah. And we're going to be like, oh, I love this part. <laughs> I hope both sound as menacing as they should.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com subtextualpod. See you next week.